Get ready. I'm going to give you a challenge. It's a challenge for today. It's a challenge for this week. It's a challenge for this month. And it's a challenge for this year. And really, it's a challenge for your lifetime. Your challenge is simply this, that you will make a difference. That you will make a difference in someone's life. That you will find someone that you can help. That you can bless. That you can make a difference in their life. A third grade class was given an assignment. The assignment was simply this. You need to write a, a paper on what you would do if you were in charge of the world. One little third grade boy, he wrote this. He said, if I was in charge of the world, I'd cancel oatmeal, Monday mornings and allergy shots, if I was in charge of the world, there'd be brighter nightlights, uh, healthier hamsters, and basketball baskets 48 inches lower. Makes sense so far, right? Furthermore, he said, if I was in charge of the world, you wouldn't have lonely. You wouldn't have clean. You wouldn't have bedtime or don't punch your sisters. In fact, you wouldn't even have sisters. The little boy said, if I was in charge of the world, a chocolate sundae with whipped cream and nuts would be a vegetable. Amen. And all James Bond 007 movies would be G-rated. If I was in charge of the world, and a person who sometimes forgot to brush, and sometimes forgot to flush, would still be allowed to be in charge of the world. If you were given that assignment to write that paper, what would you do if you were in charge of the world? You know, we like to think that we have some influence for good over some people in our lives. We, we like to think that we would have a, a degree of influence with our spouse, with our children, with our friends, with our family. So how do you make a difference? We all want to be great in the best sense of the world and the word. We want to make a difference for good in our world. But the question is, how? How can we be really, truly great in our world? How can we be a positive influence on those around us? How can we be an important person? in people's lives, or at least one they look up to and want to emulate. Let's look at Mark chapter 9, verse number 30. They went on from there and passed through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know. He didn't want anyone to know where they're going, for he was teaching his disciples. We're just months away from the cross. And Jesus is getting in His last-minute instructions with His disciples. He's saying to them, The Son of Man, that's His favorite title for Himself. 
The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days he will rise. But they didn't understand the saying. And they were afraid to ask him. You know, if you've been following us in this study on Mark, you have noticed that often the disciples would ask Jesus questions. Well, explain that parable to us. Well, what does that mean and how about that? But here, they don't ask. Why? Because they don't want to even comprehend that their Messiah was going to die. The thought is inconceivable to them. You know, they want to have a, a physical kingdom. They can't have a physical kingdom if they have a dead Messiah. And yet, death. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to die. Jesus came to give His life for us. In one of my favorite little short stories, there's a mother sheep, and she warns her little lambs, do not go near the river, for a bad tiger lives there, and, and he will kill and eat you. But you know, you always got one in the bunch. One, one in the bunch, and, and that one little lamb, he looked down there at that river, and that grass looked so good. It was dark green and lush, and well, he just thought that would be such a good meal. And, and surely my mother is just, uh, well, she's just probably telling us a story. So that little lamb, he goes down there to the river, and he is enjoying that wonderful, lush grass. And then suddenly, that tiger pops out. And that tiger says, ah, I've got a nice juicy meal for today. And he's just about to, to pounce on that little lamb when the mother sheep jumps in between them. That mother sheep uh, takes the, the death blows of those fangs and those claws. And that little lamb is able to escape to safety. That reminds me and you. That's me and you. Isaiah chapter 53. All oh, we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see, Jesus, he got between us and our sin and took its death-dealing blows upon Himself. That's what the cross was all about. But at this moment, the disciples don't want to think about that. They're still thinking physical kingdom. Jesus came to die. The most shameful death imaginable so that we could live in honor as children of God and, and join heirs with Him forever. He came not to build a physical kingdom. He came to build a spiritual kingdom. You see, with Jesus the first, who was the Lord, God the Son, first came to be the last, the greatest 
came to be the least. And He invites us to follow Him. But will we do it? If we want to be truly great, if we want to be truly great, then we must follow the one who came to be the least and last among us. If we want to have the kind of influence that Jesus had, then we must be willing, circle that word willing, to be the least. Verse 33. And they came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you discussing on the way? He's confronting them. This is not a surprise to Jesus. Remember, he's God the Son. He's making them to face up to what they were doing. And what were they doing? Look at verse 34. But they kept silent. They're ashamed. Why? Let's continue on. For on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. Who's the greatest? Who's the favorite? You know, if you have more than one child, this has probably happened at least once or twice in your family. You know, who's mom's favorite? Who's dad's favorite? You know, who's the best? Who's the greatest? You know, who is the one? And they've been arguing that back and forth. You know, who is the greatest? Who will be number one? You see, matters of rank were especially important to Jewish people in Bible days. Whenever there was a dinner party, all the guests would sit at the table according to what their status and their rank in society. And the ones closer to the main guy, well, they were the more important ones. It reminds me of a story that happened way back in medieval times. A king was given a, a fancy dinner. And he invited all the dignitaries, all the noble people to come to his castle for the dinner. But when they arrived, the king wasn't there. You know, the table was set and, and everyone walked in. You know, they could see the, the throne at the end of the table, of this long table. And they could see the food being brought out and being prepared. So they all, you know, tried to get as close to the throne as possible. And then the king finally showed up. And he had his servants move the throne from where it was to the opposite end of the table. This is kind of what's happening here in, in this story. You see, he, Jesus, he moves the chair to the other side of the table, so to speak. He he told his disciples, if you want the number one seat, you've got to sit at the end of the table and be a table waiter. Look at verse 35. And he sat down and called the twelve. And he said to them, if anyone wants to be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. Did they learn this lesson? Not quickly. 
Remember what will happen as they get into Jerusalem, as they get ready, as Jesus gets ready for that arrest, that trial, and that crucifixion. Jesus ends up having to wash their feet because none of them wanted to be the guy that had to wash the feet because that's the worst job of all. Nobody wants to wash dirty feet, do they? But here's Jesus is saying, if you want to be first, if you want to be first, then you've got to be last. You know, it's hard to do that. I have a friend of mine, lives now outside of Memphis for many years. He was a, a band director in a public school there, actually, in, in Marion. And I asked him one time, what's the hardest instrument to play? You know, you've got a big orchestra, a big band, you know, what's the hardest instrument to play? He said, second chair, whatever. Because nobody wants to be second chair. Nobody wants to be second chair trumpet or, or second chair clarinet or second chair whatever because, well, hey, I want to be first. I want to be first. But Jesus here is saying, if you want to make a difference, you've got to be a servant. You've got to serve one another. If you want to have, if you want to have the most influence, and make a difference, then we must serve the most. One of the ways to make a difference in our community is for our community to see us, see us as servants, to see us making a difference, making a difference. We're looking at so many ideas. I don't know if any of, or all or might be adopted. I don't know. But one of the ideas that I have shared is it's called Galatians 6.10 day. Then you're going to ask, what is a Galatians 6.10 day? Well, I'll tell you. Galatians 6.10, let us do good to all men, especially the household of faith. On 6-10, June the 10th, the idea would be to go out and serve our fellow church members, maybe older ones, maybe younger ones, I don't know, but then also to go out and serve the needs of people in the community. Galatians 6-10 day. Our community needs to see us as people who will serve they got to see the love of Jesus in our hearts. they got to see us making a difference. If you want to be truly great, if you want to be a positive influence on others, then learn from Jesus. Follow Him who came to be the least of all and be the least yourself. Then serve the least among us. Yes, you heard me right. Let's look at verse 36. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them and taking him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives 
Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him, that would be God the Father, who sent me. Serve the least among us. In Jesus' day, among the pagan people, children were considered to be the least significant people in society. Even less than slaves. Because at least slaves were useful. That's the reason why we have discovered archaeological digs where children, babies, were sacrificed to idols. Because, well, a child is not really that important. A child doesn't really count. So they would sacrifice their children. It reminds me of how our world places little value on children today. Look at the abortion numbers. What does that say about value of a child? It says that a child can just be discarded for whatever reason. But Jesus right here says they are very important. Very important. Why? Well, that's a good question. Because to be little, to be little is to be great in God's eyes. And to receive a child is like receiving Jesus. It's a lesson that Jesus wanted his disciples to learn. And it's a lesson that Jesus wants us to learn as well. Let me introduce you to Jimmy. A friend of mine, a fellow preacher, shared this story with me because it happened in his congregation. Jimmy died at the age of 37. He was almost 38, but he was still technically 37 when he died. When he died, the preacher who had baptized him when he was 12 came back to town to officiate the funeral. You would expect that. But you would not expect the other four people who spoke at that funeral. Because see, Jimmy, when Jimmy was 16 years old, he was involved in a horrible car accident. He was struck by a drunk driver. The accident affected his mind. He had trouble remembering, trouble understanding things. And it affected his body. He was immobile from the waist down. He lived his life the next 21 plus years as a cripple. Jimmy loved the Lord. The four people that spoke, other than the preacher at his funeral, were the four people that he converted. Yes, you heard me right. A crippled boy converted four individuals. How did he do it? Well, you see, he had a captive audience. Because, because of his injury, he had physical therapists that came in every week. It was basically the same four 
therapists. Occasionally there'll be a substitute, but generally it was the same four therapists. Now Jimmy, as I said, had some mental problems after the wreck. So he had his mom to put those little sticky, sticky notes, sticky things here on his Bible so that he could, you know, find the Bible verses that he wanted to share with the therapist. And he had his mom to pick out some songs that, you know, songs that most people would know, Amazing Grace and Jesus Loves Me, you know, songs that most folks know. And as the physical therapist would work on his body, he would be sharing Bible verses and singing songs with the therapist. Four therapists were converted by Jimmy. And they were invited to speak at his funeral. All four said, we would not be a Christian today if it wasn't for Jimmy. You see, every one of us can make a difference. If Jimmy, having mental problems from his accident, being a cripple from the waist down... If Jimmy can make a difference in four people, can we not make a difference? I issued a challenge at the very beginning, the very beginning of this lesson. Today, this week, this month, this year, this lifetime, I will make a difference. I will give a helping hand up. But if you don't have a target, you're probably not going to hit it. you got to have a target. I'm going to challenge you to give me five. To give me five people that you know who are not a Christian. Five people in our community, maybe in our school, maybe there's someone at your work, maybe someone in your neighborhood, but I'm going to challenge you to give me five people. And as I've already told you, I am praying this year that we will reach out to our community. Give me those five people. Put that list on your refrigerator door. Now, why do I say put it on your refrigerator door? Think about the number of times you go to the refrigerator every day. Make it where you put it in a place you're going to see it. Pray about those five people and then put those prayers into action. Make a difference. Make a difference. Do good. Show them the love of Christ. Make a difference in their lives. If Jimmy, who by the way, grew up in a suburb of Dallas, Texas, if he can make a difference, why can't we make a difference? Are you a Christian? You can't really influence someone for Christ if you're not a Christian yourself. Do you believe? Are you willing to repent? 
Confess. Are you willing to be baptized? Every one of those verses, if you got one of those red letter Bibles, that's in red. Because that's words of Jesus. That's not me talking. That's not Billy talking. That's not the elders talking. That's Jesus talking to you. If you are a Christian, you can't make a difference in someone's life if you're not already living the Christian life yourself. Do you need to seek forgiveness as a Christian? God will forgive. 1 John 1, 9. The church here stands ready to pray for you and with you. James 5, 16. Let's make a difference in 2021. Let's use this pandemic as a way to kickstart the biggest outreach that this church has ever, ever had in this community. If you have any need to respond, will you please do so as we stand and sing for your encouragement. Have thine own way.